Good morning. Let's all stand and worship together this morning. This first song is called How Deep the Father's Love for Us. for your love and for the depth of your love for us. Lord, we thank you for the sacrifice that you made for us. And we, we know, we know it with all our heart that your wounds have paid our ransom. And for that, we are truly grateful. In your name we pray. Amen. pierced for our transgressions, crushed 
wash for our sins The punishment that brought us peace Was upon him By his wounds By his wounds we are healed He was pierced for our transgression Crushed for our sin, punishment that brought us peace was upon him. By his wounds, by his wounds we are healed. We are healed. next to you you don't know so turn around say hello greet those person near you and children we invite you to come up to join us for a few moments of sharing
Good morning. If there are any other kids out there, I might have a surprise to hand out if you come and sit with me. If you want to maybe have a sweet surprise, maybe. Okay, you can come and join us halfway through. That is perfectly fine. <gasps> okay, hey, good morning. Do you guys know what's going on maybe tomorrow? No. Valentine's Day? Caroline, you and I are going to have to talk about the snow thing later. Valentine's Day? What do you guys do on Valentine's Day? You have to go to school. Okay. What? You love each other on Valentine's Day? Only on Valentine's Day? All the time. Oh, okay. What else? What else is going on tomorrow and Valentine's Day? You get candy, chocolate. Do you, do you, do you tend to expect that on Valentine's Day? Kind of. Are you guys gonna have parties? Maybe in your classrooms? Yeah. Yeah. Parties. You too. And what do you guys do at these parties? You're going to give out valentines? Well, what are valentines? Tomorrow, I'm going to give out some butterflies that I made. Oh, very cool. Well, what, yeah, what are valentines? So what, what is it that you're giving? Can you describe them to you? They're cards? Cool. What do the cards say? Happy Valentine's Day. That's really awesome. Do they say anything else? Do they? Sometimes they say love. Do they, um, is there like a to and a from on there? Yeah, to whoever you're giving it to, from, and then you put your name usually? Okay, cool. Well, um, <clears throat> you know, I Valentine's Day is on February 14th, right? And it comes around one time a year, right? Yeah. I can't, just between you and me, I kind of like to think about, I kind of like to think that God has Valentine's Day for us every single day. Like every day is Valentine's Day for God. Yeah? yeah? Wouldn't that be awesome? It's kind of like every day is Christmas for God too, you know? Well, um, so did you know that God gave us some Valentines? You didn't know that God gave us some Valentines? He gives it to us every single day. Okay, let me see if I can remember. Um, he gave us Jesus. Yeah, he gave us Jesus so that we could really talk to God in a cool kind of way. Okay, so he gave us Jesus. That's the first Valentine. The second Valentine, he gave us the Bible. He gave us the Bible. And we're reading it, yeah. Um, second Timothy tells us that all Scripture is God-breathed. And it's good for teaching us and training us, correcting us, and rebuking us. Now, that rebuking part, you're going to have to ask your parents about because that's a really big word for me. Um, so he gave us Jesus, and he gave us the Bible. And what else did he give us? Love. Well, he gave us love, but he shows that love by, this one's kind of hard for me to remember sometimes, but the Holy Spirit. You guys know about the Holy Spirit? No, yeah, there's just 
you don't know about? Okay, let me tell you about him. He's really cool. So, um, so I'm kind of hanging out here, and sometimes I feel like I'm all by myself, right? But I'm not really, because once we know about God, and once we know that God loves us, um, the Holy Spirit kind of hangs out with us all the time. He's, I mean, this is just how I think of him. This is not by any teacher or pastor. Arthur did not tell me this, but this is how I think of him. I think that he's just kind of like a glow around me, and he just kind of hangs out, and and um, he can give me, I know you're going to think I'm crazy, he can give me special powers. Yeah, kind of like Superman. Well, sometimes, you know, I may be in a situation where somebody is um, being mean to me, and and that Holy Spirit, you know what? I don't get mean back to them. Somehow those special powers come through. But so for Valentine's Day, for every day, God gave us Jesus. He gave us the Bible. And he gave us the Holy Spirit because he loves us. And the Holy Ghost. Yes, yeah, sometimes. Okay, so, so my name's Rochelle. But sometimes people call me Shell sometimes. So it's kind of like. Kind of like it's the same thing, but two different names. It's kind of like a nickname. So the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit, kind of same thing. Okay. All right. So, so you guys can remember these things. I have some jewelry for you. Um, and and it is, it's candy jewelry. Here's some watches. And then here's some bracelets and watches. So everybody take one. Can everybody take one? Take one and pass it. I think they're all pink. I think there's all pink. Okay. All right. Everybody done? Okay, cool. Oh, wait, 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 wait. You know what? We forgot the most important part. Silly me. We forgot to pray. Okay. Everybody bow your head. I forgot one. You forgot one. Oh, oh, oh. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for making everyday Valentine's Day for us and you. Thank you for Jesus and the Bible and the Holy Spirit or the Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, Rochelle went to Furman, and that explains a lot. <laughs> it's good to see all of you here this morning. Um, glad that you're worshiping with us. If you're visiting here, we're delighted to have you here and do invite you to come back as often as you can come to, to be with us. Um, we do have Sunday school following this hour for all ages, and our traditional worship service at 11 o'clock over in our sanctuary. We invite you to stay for that as well if you would like. Um, have, I'll have some more announcements in a moment, but let's get you started with your prayer request. If you have concerns you'd like us to share together this morning, uh, help us out by raising your hand so we can get you an index card and uh, write something down you don't mind me repeating, and we will join you in our time of prayer. Here are some announcements for today. Um, 
Children, there's no regular Sunday night program tonight. Uh, we will resume next Sunday, the 20th. Um, the Education Council will meet next Sunday at 3 p.m. in the Social Hall, and the Council of Ministers will meet after that at 4 p.m. in the Social Hall. Adults, remember that the children will be visiting your Sunday school classes right at 10 a.m. this morning with hugs and treats because this is a Big Hug Sunday. So happy Big Hug Sunday. Um, this time I'd like to call on Eric Jeter for uh, a message for us. Good morning. Tonight is our fourth annual Cheerful Hearts Midwinter Dinner. Um, tickets are $10 a person. We'll be selling them at both services today as well as at the door. Um, a nursery will be provided, so bring your kids. Um, we'll have a silent and live auction. It's a great time for both services to get together. We're, uh, over the past few years, we've been able to bring people in through the community, friends and family, and it's just a great time of fellowship. So. Please join us tonight. Look forward to seeing you. You also have uh, uh, one less thing to do today. We're not going to put the chairs away after today's service, so just leave them sitting out there. We will rearrange them for uh, the, the activities tonight, so we ask your help on that. I'm still sounding a little bit like a bullfrog. <sighs> But uh, we will see about getting through this hour together. Are there other, oh, let's say youth are not meeting tonight, but they will be meeting on Wednesday night. Are there any other announcements we need to share? If not, if you've got your prayer concerns ready, if you hold them up, our ushers will retrieve those from you and we'll join you in prayer for these concerns. Let us join our hearts together in prayer. Lord, we thank you for this thing we call the Christian faith, for the fellowship that is ours, for the fact that we have companions on our spiritual journey from whom we can learn. Most importantly, Lord, we see Jesus reflected in our brothers and sisters and the most important thing we have to do in life is to know our Savior. And so we thank you that you reveal yourself to us through our brothers and our sisters. And these are our special prayers for this day. We pray for those who are sick. We pray for a friend going through marital difficulties. We pray for those looking for new jobs. We pray, for, we pray for troops in harm's way, their families and loved ones. We ask that your presence would be felt with Randy's brother as he deals with cancer. 
a single kidney and heart problems. We pray for Tom Rishforth's safe trip home for R&R. We pray continuously for Neil uh, Weiss's healing. We pray for Clay Thornburg and for Scott Hannon. For a coworker recovering from surgery and the beginning of breast cancer treatment. We pray for someone starting a new job on Tuesday, for Anna starting a new job on Tuesday. We pray for Ronald Wiedemann and Markalina Talbert Wiedemann. Ronald is in the hospital in Atlanta. Lord, these are our special prayers for this day. And we pray these prayers in the name of Jesus, who has taught us to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Scripture lesson today is Matthew 5, verses uh, 21 through 37. You have heard that it was said to the people long ago, Do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to, to judgment. But I tell you that anyone who is angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. Again, anyone who says to his brother, Reka, which is an insult, is answerable to the Sanhedrin. But anyone who says, you fool, will be in danger of the fire of hell. Therefore, if you're offering your gift at the altar and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. Settle matters quickly with your adversary who is taking you to court. Do it while you're still with him on the way, or he may hand you over to the judge, and the judge may hand you over to the officer, and you may be thrown into prison. I tell you the truth, you will not get out until you've paid the last penny. You have heard that it was said, do not commit adultery, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your right eye causes you to sin, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. And if your right hand causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. It is better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to go into hell. It has been said, anyone who divorces his wife must give her a certificate of divorce. But I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife except for marital unfaithfulness causes her to become an adulteress. And anyone who marries the divorced woman commits adultery. Again, you've heard that it was said to the people long ago, do not break your oath, but keep the oaths you have made to the Lord. But I tell you, do not swear at all, either by heaven for it is God's throne, or by the earth, for it is his footstool, or by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. 
And do not swear by your head, for you cannot make even one hair white or black. Simply let your yes be yes and your no, no. Anything beyond this comes from the evil one. Here ends the lesson. Our annual conference meetings that we go to in June are not quite the same as they used to be many years ago. It's not as much fun nowadays, and that isn't any reflection on our current leadership at all. Hello. <laughs> the reason it's not as much fun is that we no longer have that good generation of entertaining preachers with us anymore. There was a colorful bunch that preceded my generation that made conference so much fun. There was one preacher who every year would find an excuse to get up and make the same speech every year. Long before the Surgeon General came along to tell us that smoking was bad for your health, he would get up and rant and rave about the preachers that smoke and probably as many preachers uh, as general population smoked in those days. And he would talk about how awful that was. And I remember after one of his very impassioned speeches, another minister stood up and made a statement, we just don't hear things like this anymore. He said to that other fellow, he said, brother, every time you drive a nail, you split the board. Colorful way of saying sometimes when you tell the truth, you can do it in a very offensive way. We could always be waiting for Dr. McKay Brabham to make a stirring speech about uh, racial inclusion or social justice or caring for the homeless. One time he went on and on and on with his speech until he had to ask the bishop for a glass of water so he could keep going a while longer. And when he sat back down, another minister stood up and said, you know, folks, that's the first time I've ever seen a windmill powered by water. Once upon a time, we had to empty the Memorial Auditorium in Spartanburg during the annual conference because someone called in a bomb scare. True, we had to get out of that place. And when we all got back in, Bishop Tullis laughed and said, I think we got the wrong message. That caller didn't say there was a bomb on the stage. He was complaining about the bum who was on the stage. But those colorful preachers are no longer in our midst. And we're so much poorer for that. But no speaker at conference is more etched in my memory than a young man, college age or maybe just beyond college, who stood up and made an official resolution. This was back in the 70s, maybe the early 80s, and it was at the height of the Cold War. The Soviet Union and the United States had enough nuclear weapons aimed at each other, uh, more than enough to extinguish all life upon the earth. This young man rose to his speech and made an impassioned plea that the United States unilaterally disarm itself. His reasoning was that if we were no threat to the Russians, they would follow suit and disarm themselves immediately. You could hear a pin drop in that auditorium. People could not believe what they were hearing. It just seemed so far-fetched and naive. But the speaker was dead serious, and he asked the bishop to lead us in prayer before we voted. 
Well, after the prayer, the resolution failed by a humongous uh, uh, vote. Uh, most people voted against it. His proposal was just too radical for most of us there, too naive, too simplistic, too idealistic. But in reality, that idea wasn't any more radical than one proposed by a very young preacher named Jesus. Some of Jesus' words that we just shared seem so idealistic, so naive, and so impractical. We use the word radical in our day to mean extreme. But the word radical really means to get at the root of the problem. And that young man at annual conference knew that the root cause of nuclear war was nuclear armament. We could not eliminate all war, but he saw that maybe we could eliminate nuclear war. And Jesus was just as radical. Jesus said that if murder was wrong, then the place to stop it is at the point of anger. If adultery is wrong, then the place to stop it is at the moment that the thought comes to your heart. Do away with all anger, and you've eliminated murder. Do away with all lust, and you've eliminated adultery. Do away with fighting by turning the cheek. If someone steals your shirt, give him the coat off your back as well, Jesus said. Do twice as much as is required of you. Give without considering the worthiness of the recipient. Avoid the feeling that you need to get even with people and love your enemies as if they were your friends. As important as the worship of God is, if you suddenly remember that you have a friend and you've had a falling out with that friend, you should get up in the middle of church and go and make peace with your brother first and then come back and worship God. That's how important God thinks that is. It's as important as pursuing an out-of-court settlement if you're a guilty person. Jesus' words were so radical that we Christians spend more time trying to water them down or explain why they can't work than we do trying to find ways to put them into practice. We spend our time spinning our wheels saying why this won't work in the modern world or in politics. We, in essence, have this attitude when we read Jesus' words. Come on, Lord, you can't be serious. Not only were his words extreme, but the manner in which he said them were very different and extraordinary. A rabbi cited his sources, the Bible says, a prophet would say, thus says the Lord. Jesus simply said, listen to what I've got to say. It seems to me this is true. Perhaps he did this on purpose as if to say that truth can stand on its own two feet. It doesn't need to be propped up by lots of social convention. Perhaps that's why he encouraged us also just to let our yes be yes and our no be no without saying, I swear this is true, or something like that that we often say. Let your truth be said the first time, yes. When Jesus did cite scripture, he did so quite loosely saying, I think you've heard this said of old. And then he would contradict the usual understanding of scripture. He, he would say, you've heard it said like this, but this is not what I say. Here's what I say. 
And then he would put his own idea up against that of the scribes and the law. How would you react, my friends, if I quoted the Bible today and said, you can believe that if you want to, but I don't believe that. Here's what I say. I know what you'd do. You'd get rid of me before annual conference. You'd find a way to get rid of that preacher. And those who heard Jesus speak must have thought, who is this guy who thinks he's on a par with Moses or above Moses? Who is this guy who thinks he's smarter than all the scribes? Jesus' words were indeed radical because they cut to the root of all of our troubles and they expressed that truth in stark simplicity. It seems to me that Jesus the radical said what he said in the way that he did because he wanted us to look at the root cause of all of our troubles, namely our human selfishness. What is it that causes us to so lose perspective about life to where we respond with murderous anger, wanting to see others get what they deserve if that's not a form of self-centeredness? An eye for an eye is nothing more than a selfish desire to see someone get what they deserve. It is selfish revenge so very often. The inability to give to others and the need to see if someone else is worthy of our gift. The resentment of having something taken from us. Lust that doesn't care who it hurts as long as it fulfills me. What are these things but a distorted view of our self-worth, whereby we think that me and mine are the most important things in the world? Jesus was a radical, all right. He cut to the chase to show that selfishness is the root cause of our many troubles here on the earth. How then are we to deal with these radical words of Jesus? Do we explain them away by saying they're impractical? I think that the first thing that we do is to realize just how high Jesus has set the bar. Jesus was much more interested in challenging the hearts of people than he was simply in changing outward behavior. His radical message was the call to a deeper dedication to God than was being lived by most people of his day and of our day. His words make me keenly aware of how very much I need the grace and mercy of God because I know that I have trouble keeping God's will in my mind and in my heart. These words of Jesus cause me to call out for God's mercy they make me see how far I've still got to go on my spiritual pilgrimage. And they strip me bare of any pride that I might have in my spiritual accomplishments. Secondly, his words make me realize that Christianity can be a real challenge sometimes. It's not easy being green. When something happens and my natural reaction is not what Christ would have it be, then Christianity suddenly becomes very hard for me. It's going against what's natural for me. Some of you perhaps know uh, Reverend Sinclair Lewis. Um, he was my district superintendent when I was in Greenwood, and he's a retired minister now. 
got this beautiful Charlestonian brogue that you just could listen to all day. I think my, maybe that's why churches paid him more. He's easy to listen to, you know. But I never will forget some of the words that Sinclair spoke to one of my congregations one time when he came to visit them during a time of great racial tension in that community. Speaking in his Charlestonian brogue, Sinclair said, You know, Christianity isn't easy for me. I'm from Charleston. And we Charlestonians were taught that we're better than the rest of you people in South Carolina, especially you people in the upcountry. And then he said, Christianity is hard for me because it tells me I've got to love people I don't even like. That's how we react to the lofty words of Jesus. They show me that Christianity is not for weaklings. If you really want to follow Jesus, then you better fasten your seatbelt because it's going to be really tough sometimes. It's going to demand more of you than you've got. It's going to require nothing less than an infusion of God's Holy Spirit to get you over the hump. Jesus came into the world of selfishness and greed where everyone was busy taking and he became a giver. He refused to take revenge. He would turn the other cheek. We took his life away from him, and he gave us eternal life thereby. He treated everyone as if they were already beloved of God and knew it, whether they did or not. And his life made an impact on this planet like no other life ever has. And he calls you and me to live like he lived for others. Thirdly, I think that Jesus was trying to help us understand that the real way to get what we selfishly want, happiness, peace, and joy, is not through self-centered work, but through selflessly caring for others. The needs of our selfishness can best be fulfilled when we busy ourselves taking care of others. You want to be treated fairly? Then start the ball rolling. Treat everybody else fairly. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. In an amazing way, we find that the needs of ourself is satisfied when we unselfishly help others. There's a rather famous dream you've probably heard about, so I won't be telling you anything new. But it's told by a man who dreamed that he got to visit both heaven and hell. In his dream, he was first led down a long, narrow hallway right into hell, where he saw hungry people seated around a huge banquet table. Each person had six-foot-long forks and spoons permanently fixed to their arms. The food on the table was out of this world, and yet everybody there was starving because they couldn't figure out a way to feed themselves, to grab the food with those long forks and spoons and flip the food in the air and catch it in their mouths, and so they were starving to death in the midst of plenty. The man was taken from hell across that same long hallway into a, an identical banquet room where he saw another group of people with forks and spoons permanently attached to their arms, but everyone there was happy, singing, and loving one another,
And everyone was eating to their full, to their fullness, by, because they were reaching across the table with their long forks and feeding each other. That was an idea that hadn't even occurred to those selfish folks over in hell, that they could eat all they want if they just took care of one another. Our selfish desires are best met when we busy ourselves in caring for others. Jesus is a radical. He pointed to the root of all of our problems in our personal lives and in society, and he calls us to a life of self-denial, of taking up the cross and following him. He calls us to crucify the sinful desires of our hearts at the place they first show themselves in our anger and our lust and in our thirst for revenge. May we accept Jesus' challenge to follow him. Amen. I invite you to stand now as we share together the Apostles' Creed as an affirmation of our faith in Jesus Christ. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead, he ascended into heaven, and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From there he Please be seated and we will now worship God by giving. Oh, 
stand and sing together. Center of your will, to the Lord I cry aloud. 
something real important. This is Kathy's birthday. She's 21. And, and I lied so she doesn't have to. Now may you go forth in peace, hearing Jesus' call to follow him in acts of kindness and selflessness. Amen. Great week. <laughs>